a time machine. Get out of here. Right now, at this moment, 34 years ago, yeah, I was standing in a monkey suit in front of a church, and I looked in the back, and coming through the doors was the goddess oh. in her truest form, just glowing in her wedding dress. Oh. And the world fell away, and it never came back. Ooh. Happy anniversary to the goddess. Yes, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Chris and the goddess. Absolutely. For those of you who don't have it, I just had to mark that moment as yes, it was you did. happening. The goddess and you have been married 34 years. 34 years. We woke up this morning and we're laying there in each other's arms. And I said, Wait a minute, you guys still hug? Whoa! Hug. Yeah. Wow. You know, you gotta get, you got to order uh, hugs from Amazon. And <laughs> You know, you take a couple pills and then you can still hug. All right. But, Good to know. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're laying there and I said, 34 years. And the two of us together said, what the hell? <laughs> How did that happen? How did it happen? Yeah. One day at a time, brother. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll so, it on. But here we are. Here we are. Are we ready? Yes, we are. So take it away, Mr. Ryan. Hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. That's Today right. we're going to speak about creativity, we're going to do some cre creativity, and to do that, who do we have? Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have... Don't make it up now. Singular sensation, the devotee of Dante, the historian of homicide, the reporter with the scoop, the inspector detector, mythological master, high school herder, the bro from City of Woe, your kin from City of Sin, and a genius at your high school, and the guardian of the goddess, me, Chris Ryan. <laughs> All right. But driving the ship, shipping the shells. Yeah. <clears throat> Swapping the decks and everything else that's needed to keep this buddy going is the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and the globe trotting creator of the world renowned Blackjack, Aaron Blackjack Day, the American African American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect today's problems. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the one. The only, the legendary, the iconic, the immortal, Alan Simmons! Yes, 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 here I am. It's me, it's me, it's him. As it's Alex okay. Simmons. We gave you a C there for a moment, but Alex Simmons. That, How that, are you, Alex Simmons? That's all right. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome, welcome, Chris Ryan. And and again, happy, happy, happy 34th anniversary. Yeah, Not for us, but for you and the goddess, yes. This is pretty wild. God bless you, you know? And you'll say, how'd you do it? Well, it's just as long as you keep a gun away from it, things are going pretty well. <laughs> I don't know. When I came to. <laughs> yeah. Pow. Wow. I used, I used to did not have this dance in my head, but no. <laughs> I can't remember. Now, things go well. I can't, I can't remember I can't. what day it is, but, you know, otherwise it's pretty good. So uh, here we are. This was a week, huh? We had uh, some some happy stuff so we should talk about. But um, the first thing we should mention is I woke up this morning, and uh, you know Sunday Monday, uh, Sunday morning. Yeah, it's not Monday. is when we recorded this, and um, you know, yes, there was a happy anniversary and all that sort of stuff. But then uh, at one point, I flipped through the uh, headlines, and mm. David Prowse, mm. the, the man inside the suit of Darth Vader, the man who made him walk and seem menacing and all that and reached out his hand he's he's passed on at 85 85 so, uh, oh. we uh we met him let's take that moment yes we have a, a great little tiny story yeah yeah alex uh was um launching race against time which was uh the second title after the blackjack comic and um i uh i wanted to help in any way i can could so uh 
uh, you were gracious enough to let me write the second issue, which was really cool. But it was before the second issue came out. This was just at the first issue. And we wound up going out to uh, a Wizard Con. That was back when Wizard Magazine not only existed, but it uh, was spent a lot of money on cons. Yeah, it's my, I think it was the Chicago Con that was there. It was right, it was right outside of Chicago, but it was the Chicago Con. And we went, and uh, at, in those days, we didn't have... Uh, uh, the the experience to know that as soon as the con is over, you flee town. So, <laughs> so you know, Alex was like, yeah, we did pretty good this way. Let, let's go and we'll go for one drink. So we went into the bar and as we came in, we noticed it was Alex and I yep. and the waitress. <laughs> that was it. We, we knew there was a bartender somewhere, but so we, we were sitting and we were ordering drinks and then the doors opened and a huge guy in crutches comes in, and we turn around. We see it's David Prowse. Yep. And the waitress goes over to him. Bam, bam, bam. It's a little exchange, and he comes. She comes passing our way on the way over, and I stop her and I say, "You mind if I ask what that gentleman ordered?" She said, "Well, a glass of wine." And I said, "Please, it's on me. Please put it to my bill." And as she walked, she said, "Okay, she didn't give a shit who paid for it." <laughs> Did you hear that? No, no, I just. We just blew our PG rating. That's, um, okay, we'll blurt it out later. We're not. As the, waitress, as the waitress was leaving, you were like, the hell you do that for? And I said, well, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be able to tell people I bought the, uh, a Darth Vader a drink. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been yeah. doing for over 20 years now. Yeah. And uh, now I use it to say uh, I raise that drink one more time. Cheers yeah. and and. You know, peace on your journey, David Prowse. You know, underrated, God bless him. But uh, he did help create one of the greatest villains of of all time. I can still hear the theme song. You know, and he walks into that, you know, everybody's just... Mm. And as they as they developed the Star Wars universe, they have used him in different places. He was probably his most terrifying in uh, Rogue One. Now, I don't know if David did that, but he had already created the template. So every appearance of of Darth Vader, whoever's doing it, whether it's animated or real, the credit goes to uh, Prowse and uh, James Earl Jones for creating the t- template and the Terra. Um, and God bless it, you know? And it, you know what? It just ties in with today's theme because we are going to be doing some creating today. So we are too. But you know, I got to add to that story just one little element. I'm not going to take you know any real time. Uh, we did wind up getting to to hang out with with not only David at the table with his crutches, but Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, that yeah, evening, and the original yes. Boba Fett. Right, and we got to see Chewie dance, and it was well. First, we got to see Chewie drink. Well, now see, now I I wasn't gonna go there. I was well, just gonna, you know, lay it out that the man know, got up and, you know, did his dis- gangly full thing. Full disclosure, everybody. Full disclosure. In those days, I would occasionally drink a B and B, and since Alex and I were the only ones in the bar, uh, <laughs> I said, all right, one B and B won't be problematic. But then, you know, Darth Vader shows up, and then Chewbacca shows up, and Boba Fett, <laughs> and we're sitting. We're the only game in town. So they came and sat with us, right? So um, one drink became two, three, and four. We lost count. And I never changed my order away from B&B. And B&B is a dark liqueur, very sugary. And, um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually the bar, the, the, the barmaid is worried, and she asks us to pay the bill because – the next con came in, and that was like the Tupperware Cookers of America. It was a knockoff of Tupperware, <laughs> like that. and it was all wives and women, and Peter and a few other, uh, most of the Star Wars guys, although David had, had left on his crutches, but they kind of disappeared from the table. They threw money at us, God bless them, but then they disappeared at the table, and what did we see, Peter Mayhew? How was he dancing? I, I I was not going to describe it. I I said gangly, you know. If if you ever say Disney animated Ichabod one Crane One married dance. girl's ass in each hand. That's what I'm, I'm saying. See, now now Peter, I I didn't bring this up, Peter. You know, just understand. I was God I was you know, Peter, you, you, 
you've passed on, all sins are forgiven. Yeah. But I, I'll give you the tag of that. Um, so I'm left at the table with a pile of money and a bill. <laughs> I'm, I'm like this. I'm like, I get so pissed. And I, and the waitress comes back. She's still worried. She, yeah, I guess I look shaky or, or shady or something like that. And I give her my credit card. And she goes through, and I give her a big tip. And I shove all the just, just wads of money, shove in my pockets, and I storm out of the bar. 20 minutes later, I get out of bed. Uh, Alex is at the door. He says, I'm worried. Did we not give you enough money? What's the matter? I said, listen, solid rule. If I can no longer count, I can no longer stay in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, it, uh, the B&B really hit me. And the next yeah. day I woke up, and it was the last time. It was the last time for B&B for me because the hangover <laughs> was just crippling. Like, get out of bed, fall to the knees, crippling, right? And I'm done. I just I just threw on some clothes, and I need to get to caffeine. And I get in that elevator, and people are moving away from me. I got to hit the main lobby, and the door's open. And there's Chewbacca leaning on the railing. I looked up at him and I said, I am so glad you look how I feel. And he goes, ha, 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 ow. <laughs> yeah. You know, all, I, all meant, all meant in most, you know, in, in complete respect for those gentlemen. In, respect in, and, and joy. You know, this is, this is one of the things that, um, and we are going to get to the creativity here, folks, but this is a part of it. The, the life you live, I mean, really appreciating life, really remembering these moments, treasuring certain moments, exploring, being open to finding people and meeting people. These are all the things that fuel creativity in such powerful ways. And, and you know, Chris telling that story and, and, and filling in, you know, the day, the morning after, uh, you know, it, there's so many other things that happen at that event, but that event, just meeting those two guys and meeting them as human beings, let alone, you know, the stars of the film. Uh, was well, I'll tell, I'll tell one other David Proust story. And uh, the reason I can tell you is um, it involves your godson. Oh, my godson. Okay. When, when Tyler was very little and Tyler, uh, you know, he remained small in stature for a long time. And then we got him a sprout and that kind of stuff. But um ordered him. He, um, well, he was adorable, you know, and waitress, one of the great tales about Tyler is that waitresses that weren't serving our table used to cross restaurants to say hello to him, you know, and Sean <laughs> would hide behind his mom because he was a shy guy. But uh, Tyler was not. He had game. But, you know, we used to, I, me and him used to go out uh, to, it was four for my four sons. It was my two birth sons and their two inseparable friends. The four of them I would take to the Comic-Cons in New York when you could still get into those Comic-Cons. And then came just the two and then it just became me and Tyler. So me and Tyler went one time and um, David Krause was there. I I would explain to uh, Tyler who all these different people were. It was the same uh, time we met. Who was your friend who was the editor of DC for the longest time? Goodness, that's uh, Andy Helfer, um, Dick Giordano, uh, Julian Schwartz. Um, later than those guys. Um, later than those guys. Um, Michael um, Sig- Siglane, uh, Scooby. Jeez, um, uh, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss here. I, I, it'll come to me. But, okay. Uh, we introduced, I introduced him. Joe Iliad, maybe? No, no, no. Was a Denny O'Neill? Glasses. Denny O'Neill? No, no, it wasn't Denny. Oh. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. It was, it was the time when um, Vertigo was around, and he had the DC part, and this guy had, and the girl, the woman had Vertigo. I'm terrible with names. Karen, then, Karen Greenberg, Karen, I think. Karen had, Karen had the Rick. Vertigo. Rich, and, Rich. Oh, I can't remember Rich's last name right now, but go ahead. Go okay. ahead. So, 
I introduced, you know, he had, he had to be standing by, and I said, do you mind if I introduce my son to you? I said, no. I said, this guy is in charge of your favorite character. He's in charge of Robin and all the DC characters. So this guy, you know, oh, yeah, hi, hi, how are you? You like Robin and all that stuff? And Tyler said, well, we had to stop reading Robin comic books when it was the cover, when it was Robin in like a tub of blood that was too old for and he was like oh i'm sorry i missed it oh wow i didn't expect to go so hey um and we went uh to see uh david prouse you know mm-hmm. and um the whole idea was just to say hello maybe get an autograph or whatever and uh Prowse goes like this to him. He says, come here, come here, come to the table, come here, come here. Way before COVID. Come here, come here. Yeah. And he says, uh, put your hand up. Tyler looks at me like, because this guy is tremendous, even sitting down. I said, go ahead. I said, it's David Prowse now. It's not Darth Vader now. It's David Prowse. So Tyler put his hand up on the table. Prowse put his enormous mitt, so it was, you know, (laughs) just completely engulfed. (laughs) And Tyler looked at it and laughed. And then Prowse laughed. The two of them were laughing together. And it was just very cool, very cool moment. Uh, Prowse didn't have to do that. You know, and it's those those kind of moments that, you know, will really stay with people. You know, yeah, I've I've talked about buying David uh, Darth Vader a drink for 20 years or so, but the warmer moments are how yeah. you treat, you know. So yeah. So Vader drink Krauss oh. is cool with kids. I like this. Okay. You know, this, is a, this is good. This is a good memorial. Good eulogy there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. So um, Chris and I, you know, we we talk about a lot of things on the show, and all of it around creativity and writing and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but what we like to do from time to time is, is go back to the blank page or the blank screen and and really go through how not only we, but sometimes our mentors or people that we uh, revere, how they approach this process. And I know a lot of times my students are always saying, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And, and it's usually at the very beginning of the journey, the creative journey. So I thought this would be a good day, you know, to do something positive and creative and and just have a good time, especially since this is, you know, the end of uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which is, to me, a gratitude weekend. And, you know, I think of all the things I'm thankful for. And one of them is meeting the kind of people that have impacted on me creatively. And so let me try and, and give something back today. So, Chris, what I thought, you know, is, one, um, you and I have some similarities in how we approach things and some differences in how we approach things. You know, and, and nothing's right or wrong. It's just technique. So I'm curious. Where do your ideas come from? We're going to actually do something today, too. We're going to actually create. Why, 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 Alex, my ideas come from Sears. <laughs> Page 39 on the catalog. No. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you um, do Sears, I do Amazon. See you next week, folks. Yes, okay. Uh, a lot of times they come from uh, going out with the goddess when she wants to go shopping. And... Uh, that she shops for reality and I shop people's faces and their movements and love snippets of conversation and just get feelings of, you know, what, what would that person be like? Where would that person fit a story? So, um, out of that, one or two things will haunt me. And that's where they, you know, that's where characters come from and that kind of stuff. I have a couple up on the board that, uh, uh have been, uh, just, Knocking at the door for a while. I'm, ah. in the middle, I'm in the middle of a project, but those are all kind of piling up, so I got to get to them as well. But yeah, it might be, you know, uh, you know, like I saw this guy in a motorcycle jacket, right? Beard, hair slicked back, but motorcycle jacket, boots, busted up jeans. His hand was way down. He was holding the hand of a little girl who had to raise up to hold his hand. And she was 
in like a ballet outfit or or a princess oh, wow. outfit, right? Now, that's the beginning of a story, you know? What what would that guy do for his princess, mm-hmm. right? Or if they're in the middle of a mall and stuff hit the fan, how does he react? What does he do? Where are his priorities? Where does, you know, and then it starts... It, it starts playing in your in your mind while you're doing the dishes or while you're pretending to do the dishes. No. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever it is you do. You know, I could be teaching a class and pay full attention to the kids or grading a college essay for one of the or kids. Or to pay full attention to the kids. <laughs> well, but but there's there's always that kind of you know it's it's you know how your computers will run stuff in the background? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. So then, you know, you finish, you know, that that conscious work and you sit back and then all these ideas come from what the one idea that was, you know, you know that two, those two people. The story, the, yeah. Then comes the index cards and then it builds from there. Yeah. So, um, A, yes, some of what you said, um, I find that, uh, my ideas can also come from something personal, uh, something that, that happened to me, um, a, a moment in a particular day, an, in, an encounter with somebody uh, where the impact of the words or the event itself um, leaves a mark of some sort, positive or negative, and it stays with me. It's almost like, like it, it, it burrows in there and it sort of hangs out for a while and begins to sort of grow, you know, and then eventually it's like, okay, I got to write it down because it's, it's not going to leave me alone until I secure it somewhere. Yeah. And so I, not the old neighborhood that's been with me for. Yeah. So I have, I, have, I have behind me, uh, not that I'm going to show it <laughs> because it's a mess, but I have behind me a stack of probably at least from oh, no. my no. kneecap. No, no. You have behind you a, a very pretty loft. Yeah, <laughs> that's the illusion. Yeah. Behind the loft illusion is a stack of, uh, you know, the kind you find in Walgreens or, or Staples or whatever. And they're filled with notes and thoughts and, and, and ideas for plots and things. And I know that probably a quarter of those things are things I actually will work on at some point. But I can't throw away the whole book <laughs> because, you know, I got to filter it through that. So one of these days I'll get an intern. But anyway, um, that's one. The other thing where my ideas come from, uh, other than what you mentioned, is sometimes it's, it's like a dream that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I come to. And I'm thinking, what was I dreaming that for? What's that about? Um, but then either the dream, some element of the dream begins to become an idea for a, a plot or a story or a character. Or, and this is a spooky one, at some point, the dream reveals what what inspired it. And I realize there's a memory from way back in my life. And it opens up. Yes, it opens up. And I got to jot that down because that's right. something. So that's... I'll give you... I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the last thing I was going to say is I got an exercise from uh, a creative... Because uh, I sometimes participate in creative workshops, because, you know, it's not always about teaching, it's about learning, too, and, and exploring. And uh, they gave an exercise about finding an object, you know, you go into a store or whatever, a thrift store or whatever, and you find old objects, and you, you, you either look at it or you purchase it, and mm. you, you then make up something based on what was, what do you think was the history of this thing? Yeah. So i just seen the, uh, the exercise I was thinking about as I went for a walk, and I'm going past this grassy area near the park, and there are a pair of shoes, old shoes, that someone had deliberately. Excuse me. Yeah, that's right. Shoes never used. Yeah, that had had deliberately left one foot in front of the other, one shoe in front of the other, aimed towards the curb. Okay. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the you know the wear and tear on it, which wasn't extreme, so but it's just the deliberately set up positions of this. And it reminded me of a Hemingway microfiction exercise. And, and just looking at those shoes, boom, something came to my mind. So I did this homage to, to, to Hemingway. So, so the thing is that sometimes something you see, an object or a thing, 
sometimes an old memory or sometimes, you know, an unresolved uh, incident in your life or, or something that someone says in your life comes back to you and goes, this is the seed. And from this, something can spring. Yeah. Um, you were going to say. Well, I, I'll, two different things. One of the things I learned this year during COVID, um, and I was, you know, worried because the original plan to transfer over from purely independent or, you know, recently independent, um, I do have old professional credits, but they were old, right? I mm-hmm. had to get new professional credits and to, to test the waters of traditional publishing, right? One of the things I noticed or, or I discovered about myself was that I can write to opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens when I started finding out about this anthology or that anthology and the ideas came, you know, um, there's, I'm waiting to hear back from an Allman Brothers anthology. I sent that guy five pitches and he said, well, do this one. Um, I'm also waiting to hear from a John Cash anthology, which I sent three or four pitches, and he said, do that one. And I, you know, I did both of those. Um, the same thing I did with, um, there was a Pink Floyd, um, Dark Side of the Moon uh, anthology. I don't know why they're all music anthologies. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, what was really interesting with that one was that I, I did Us and Them, and I did it about the Black Lives Matters clashes with the cops, and, um, he had asked to, you know, to truly invoke the lyrics. So I blended the lyrics into the, the, the action and to really uh, evoke the music with your language. And I did all that stuff. And he came back to me and said, well, everyone else did noir. So yours doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do? Right? Noir. Uh, it, it is what it is. What are you going to do? You just keep moving, you know. Um, but I thought it was kind of funny in retrospect that I followed his directions, but because the majority did not, and they went noir, it is what it is. Um, but but, but there, is, there, there, there is the point that you could, you were inspired by, as he said, not only you could write right. the opportunity, but you're inspired by music. Yeah, well, that, but, you know, but the first inspiration was this anthology is open. That and, that. and the same thing happened with, uh, I'm showing you now, California Scheming, Oh, yeah. This is the anthology that Art Taylor edited, and it's got Walter Mosley and Art uh, Scott Turow and a few people. And I'm in there with the characters, uh, three of the characters that were in the original City of Woe, which now is Everyone Pays. Um, And it was an opportunity. Uh, 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 Somebody I was co-editing with, she said, uh, you know, this, this is open. You should think about it. And I've noticed that I can do that. So you can try. Now, to get back to your point. The one I'm, I'm offered all that is to, you know, be open to all that. That could inspire you as well. Alex was talking about exercises. And I always do the exercises, you know. And in grad school, I guess it was my first or second year, um, I was working uh, in a class and they were doing all these different writing exercises. And I had decided that any of the exercises I did would involve Mallory and Gunner and story elements from the first novel. Mm -hmm. While some things worked and some things didn't work, you know, um, one of the exercises was um, you open your door and you find a box, you know, in your front door. That's still in the novel to this day. Even with the thorough editing that we did, it's still—it's very—it's probably eighty percent. The whole novel is about eighty percent different than it used to be, you know. Um, but yeah, you know. So, any you, you can find uh, inspiration and creativity anywhere you want. And today we're going to find out where Alex wants us to find some creativity. <laughs> he segued again. Uh, but I'm sorry, you opened up, open up a door for just one other memory of mine, and that is a high school memory. Uh, literally, I had a, uh, an English teacher who I can still remember her name, but I won't bring it up now. Not- mm-hmm. Oh, you can, can you? Yes, oh. I can. And, yeah, oh, behave. Anyway, no, not that was another one. No, but, but here was the thing of where we were given the assignment of uh, she gave us a word or actually a two word comment 
that we had to, the whole class had to individually come up with a story or some writing on or about this two-word remark, which was the bridge. That was it. She said, the bridge. And, you know, my class was maybe 28 students, maybe 25 students. And this particular English teacher was also a poet, you know, in her, her outside-the-building life. And so everybody started writing, you know, and we had a week or so to do this. And then we were going to have to read what we wrote in class. And we were, every student was going to do this in order to get his or her mark. And so I'm thinking the bridge, the bridge. And where was my head? My head was in at that point, adventure and supernatural and stuff like that. So I, this idea came to me, it just took off and I started writing like a madman and a week or so goes by and then we're starting to present and, and I was the last person because my, my last name being Simmons, I was the last person in the class who was going to get called on to read. So we go through a week of reading everybody else's work in the class and everybody else had written something that sounded like poetry. You know, some of it actually was poetry, but others sounded like as if they were really trying to emulate her work. And so when she, I guess she caught a glimpse of mine or something like that. And she says, well, you know, it's the end of the week. So we've, we've listened to everybody. I said, well, no, no, wait, wait, you know, you haven't, you haven't heard mine. And says, well, you know, we don't have much time. I said, yeah, but you know, you said in order to get a mark, we had to actually read some in class. So, you know, I want to get my, my grade or it. So I start reading. Right. She lets me. I stand up. And I start reading. And it was this story about these two men who had been in the war, World War Two. The war had ended. One had gone back to America. The other had stayed. And something supernatural and mysterious starts happening in this town he stayed in. There's a bridge near the town. People are disappearing. Horrible things are happening. And his friend comes back to America to find out why his buddy went missing. And it turns into this whole supernatural experience. So I'm like a third of the way through the read here. No poetry at all, right? And she goes, oh, well, okay, I think, and the class wouldn't let me stop. <laughs> you know? No, we want to know what happened. Yeah. So, again, I said all that. I'm not going to go to the end of the story. I said all that to say that sometimes you have to go with your instinct. You have to go with whatever that idea is. That, that came up in your head, because unless you are specifically writing to specs of an assignment, in other words, if she said you have to write a poem about the bridge, right. I was not obligated to write a poem. And I was inspired to this idea. So sometimes you've got to go with, you know, you got to test that thing. Go with that thing that you came up with and work it through. Just even get a rough draft of it to get it out there. Because that's who you are as a creative. That's where your your mind, your interests, your inspiration went. And you should always, you know, give yourself a chance to explore that. Don't uh, and don't feel bad if you you go in a very different direction yeah. than your classmates. Exactly. I got a, a question wrong on my kindergarten final exam. I'm sorry. You you had a final exam in kindergarten? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, the question was, name a hair color. And I had a Batman and Robin um, <laughs> cartoon, uh, a, comic, a coloring book, right? And yeah. Robin's hair was jet black, but the highlights would be blue. Yep. So I said blue, and she said wrong. And I said, but Robin? And she said, oh. now she couldn't say wrong because blue hair is everywhere. Um, and another time, I guess it was seventh grade or so, they played... Um, you know what is known by you, it was recognized by you as the Long Ranger theme. Yeah, yeah, the William Tell Overture. William yeah. Tell Overture, right? But uh, I recognize it immediately as the Long Ranger theme, you know, and all the kids are drawing the Long Ranger. I was like, but we've seen that, you know? What else could it be? Which is if I, where we're going today. So I drew this, like, crazy ranch barn where all the roosters and chickens were running and the animals were, it was just the craziness of the music. And it was, and, and she looks at it and this was not a woman with a lot of imagination. She looks at it and she's like, where's the Lone Ranger? I said, they didn't call him yet. <laughs> yeah. Now, now folks, you, you understand follow why, why we got in trouble a lot of this kids. <laughs> 
Okay. So, All right. So what are we so gonna do? Thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw um, uh, a, a, a two word remark at you, okay. and you're going to then see where that takes you. And and the idea here, folks, is he's gonna do the same thing to me later, and it's about where do you go with the idea, the seed? How does the seed become a plot? And can you take it even a little further than that? We'll see how far Chris wants to go with it. We're not going to do a whole story here. But the idea is at least to work out a plot and maybe a little bit more, uh, just as, to show the process. So, And we did this way back, and I forget which episode it was. We did this with a Blackjack short story, too. So this is you know some, some episodes back, but you know I'll find out and maybe put it in the uh, comments section. So is this, but anyway. is this another Blackjack project? Or no, this, this, is, this is wherever you want to go with this. Okay. And, and you're going to say something, and what do you expect me to do with it? I, that remark is going to be the seed of an idea for a story. And how long do I have to develop plot? Based on the, the two phrases, okay. the two words that I use. And how long do I have to develop before you said, okay, read back what you got? Well, you can act, you can talk it out. I think that would okay. be more interesting than, than us okay. cool. here in writing. Well, yes. that's, that's easier for me. All right. Right. So, okay. So, you ready? No, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait. Okay, now I am. <laughs> Empty glass. Empty glass. All right. Okay, so it's a murder scene, and we haven't decided who's investigating or who is come upon the murder scene. Mm-hmm. But there's only two things out of place. One is the victim. The way he is lying, the way he is, there's some aspect about the victim. And right now it's a him, but it could turn into a her. That is out of place. That person would never do that. Mm. Right? Whatever that is, we haven't decided yet. The only other thing out of place is there's one glass on the bar. Or one thing the investigators know is that this person is fastidious to a fault would never leave an empty glass on the bar. You know, especially if it was dirty. There is some evidence that the glass had been used. So Mm. those are the two clues we have to work with. Whatever it is on the victim that is out of place about the victim, this fastidious person, and the empty glass. Okay. Your serve. <laughs> okay. Oh no, I get I get to ask you a couple of questions now too. Oh, okay. Cool. Want to right. want to look at the process? How you how you came okay. to that? So okay. I simply said empty glass. What did you see? Um, think of a camera, right? Shot opens very tight on the glass. I look at it and I see a few things. There's clearly it was used. Might have even been evidence of a ring, so it was picked up and put in not quite the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I pull out the the surface it was on could have been in a public bar anywhere. But as I pulled out, it's a high end uh, um, apartment. It's a <clears throat> private bar, luxurious furnishings. That person. Mm. So that person, I still don't know who that person is, but that person, everything's perfect but one thing. I can't quite see what the one thing is. So I, oh, fastidious, look around the rest of the apartment, well-toned, very, definitely money, everything is in its place. We've, we've been to places like that. Yep. And we've been to places where it's a little less loose, right? <laughs> so we recognize the fastidiousness and that drew me back to the empty glass. Now I see a little more of a pronounced ring just to the side. So it was picked up and put down. It was definitely used. That's not who this person was. This person would have wiped that immediately. So that per- this person on the ground, this victim, did not drink from that glass. If there's poison in that glass, maybe. 
because then he didn't have a chance to clean mm-hmm. it. But, but if he had picked up or she had picked up and there was a ring on the bar, this guy would have or this person would have cleaned the ring from the bar before I put it down. And that's why whoever it is who's investigating knows enough about that person to know that, nope, it couldn't have been him who drank it. Right. And, and what's, what's cool about that, folks, is, is you get that, you know, there's a, an image that he saw in his head, and, and the image was of an item, because that was the thing I gave him. But then, as he said, you pulled back. So already he's thinking cinematically. He pulled back, and the reveal of the room allows him to see, A, the space, the environment, to make certain deductions. And then the body on the floor, he sees that, and that, again, allows him to make certain creative deductions. And then what you're saying about the ring, you know, the, the, obviously you know, something of the glass, maybe moisture or whatever, had uh, created a ring on the bar. When you talk fastidious, in my head, as you were saying all of this, I'm thinking, yeah, that makes perfect sense. The, the guy's that that fastidious, that clean, that OCD, whatever. He probably would have even had coasters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if right, and if he didn't use the coaster, there's another suggestion that maybe he didn't. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. So what what Chris is is and, and Chris, you know, stop me if I'm wrong. But what you you're doing is building out from that seed, and your inclination was to go into mystery it, it came as a yeah a first, or, or a crime it could be a crime story right some for story. me the, you know the overlap is is so huge there's a question there who is who killed this person i'm seeing it more and more as a guy um i see what's wrong now mm-hmm. um because i've been looking in my mind yeah person he is dressed impeccably and um, there's a little stain on top of his shoulder. Mm. He would never. Oh, he would rip that shirt off. He would never be able to wear a stain. A stain on my person? Okay, so now something else you just did. You, up until this exact moment, you'd been saying he was dressed impeccably or he was well-dressed. Right? You Then... Just towards the end of that sentence, you said shirt. So now, instead, of, I'm not no longer seeing him in maybe a smoking jacket or something, or a suit jacket. Or he is in a shirt of some sort. Whether he has a tie or not, I don't know. But again, he has a shirt, a tie, and a vest. Okay. So <laughs> now, now it's we're even more informed because Chris is getting more detail specific. And again, what you know about your character, or what is implied by this vision of your character is information that you use to make certain decisions about your character and the environment, and it all impacts on the story. And, and, I, and for me, I almost immediately went from object to person and then let the characteristics of the person, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, what was it, the, the uh, profile questionnaire, you know, start informing me of who this person would be in relation to the glass. And that's yeah. why Phidias came. And that's why the small little... Now, when they investigate the small little dot, I'm going to go to the next level. It's a little bit of blood that came out when whoever was behind the bar shot him with a poison dart. And there's a tiny... We're going to find this tiny little poison dart. And we're going to find out what kind of poison it is and all that sort of stuff. So... An elegant murder for an elegant person. But our suspects, while in, while uh, probably very well-versed in uh, weaponry, not the, not the, not fastidious, not very tidy. So yeah. we're going to be able to build up a little about who we're looking for there. Right. There you go. Now, Last part of this exercise before you get to do this to me is just to show how, how the craziness can go and how the mind can work. Take the exact same phrase, empty glass, except this time I'm going to add one more element. Okay. You ready? Yes, sir. Children's story. 
okay, I'm gonna make it a holiday story. <laughs> a little brother, a, a young brother and sister. They are not allowed downstairs because it's Christmas morning. Mm. But they need to know if Santa came. They really need to know if Santa came. So they decide to go on a mission. They plop down on their bellies. They crawl over to the door so mom and dad can't hear that they're up. They open the door. Crawl over to the stairs. But they're not allowed downstairs. So I'll have to decide whether the brother holds the sister's ankles or the sister holds the brother's ankles. But they kind of walk, kind of climb down the the little uh, bars of the railing of the stairs so they don't yeah. touch the stairs because they're not they're allowed downstairs until they can see that little crack open that shows the living room. And the only thing they can see is the table by the front door where mom and dad always leaves the cookies and the glass of milk. And the big the discovery is the glass is empty. It's an empty glass. <laughs> it has been here. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, it's funny because, again, how our heads work, you did that. But the moment you started to set it up, the kids and can't go down, said, what I suddenly envisioned was that the parents are still up in their bedroom, which is just down the hall from the kids, which is right near the bathroom. And that the, the, the two kids think about it. We got to find out what, you know, what, what the deal is. So they go in the bathroom and they get one of the glasses they use for when they brush their teeth and they put it to the wall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to eavesdrop on their parents talking to see what they can learn. That was immediately where my head went when you started setting that up. And you can tell this story if it's is if it's going to be written as a children's story. You could keep it the kids as the uh, narrators of the stories, folks. Yeah. The story, but you can also write it as an adult story with the ki- the parents. You know, maybe at one of their kids' weddings or something like that. Yeah, remembering, you know, remembering. Yeah, when, when it was all yeah. that so when much. When they were that young, and, and yeah, they were close like that and then years have gone by that they were separated and here at the wedding they've kind of reunified or whatever there's a lot you can do you know with an empty glass have you have you ever read um and this goes to the audience too have you ever read any of stephen king short stories sure tons of them great i every every collection now occasionally i across the room night shift is great okay in in Night Shift, there is a story about a brother and sister. And it's not a horror story. But I don't want to give the I don't want to give away the ending of it. But it starts out it's all about the brother remembering what they were like as kids and the barn and the hay. Okay. And faith, leap of faith. And I can't remember the name of the story, but when I read that story sometimes they come back. That might be no, no. That's the that's the the, the teenagers, almost nineteen oh, fifty. Right. Yeah, right. No, but either way, if if you any of you have night shift and you have that Stephen King short story in there about the brother and sister, uh, and the and the barn and the hay and all hayloft, all that, you really should read it because again, kids' memories of childhood, all of that is so well handled in that story. You know what's also interesting to do with that book? Read that collection or some of the sorry snack collection and then read a more modern one and you'll notice that night shift is stephen king before he shook uh adverbs out of his writing Uh, and uh, afterwards there's just you know he doesn't do that and it's stronger so yeah very cool okay so all right it's your turn you get to do this to me (laughs) i hope you guys are taking notes because i am Okay. I'm afraid that this uh, is a two words, right? Yeah, two words. 
Oh, that's not two words. Hold on, I gotta think. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, depending on how you spelt it, that was three words. Um, so, while you're thinking, I'll explain. The reason I, I usually try and go for two words is because the more words you use, the more you're setting up the image in somebody's mind. You know, it becomes more like you're describing a situation, and then they really sort of get involved in that. So the idea is to give them just as little as possible. Golden sunset. Ooh, okay. Okay, all right. Um, first thought came to my mind is... We're on a hill in a rather lush green valley in the distance are rolling hills and even some trees off on the horizon. And the sun is beginning to set, hasn't quite really reached that lower end of the horizon yet, but it's, it's slowly going down. There's some wispy clouds coming in from the left and from the right. It's warm. And there's a man who's laying on the hill on the grass with his back resting against a very solid old tree. And he's as he looks out over this valley and these rolling hills, he's thinking about a day like this when he was much younger, teenage, yeah, teenage, not, not early 20s, definitely teenage. And he was out with friends in a car, he and some of his buddies, and they were driving sort of wildly through that very same hilly area just below him. And as he thinks about the revelry and the sense of freedom and wildness that they were enjoying and the things they were talking about, the plans that they were making, some girls that they were going to meet later that evening, all of that, just feeling their oats. There's an accident that they're responsible for. They strike somebody with the car. And they shouldn't have been out in the car to begin with because realistically they were just slightly underage, or at least the driver was underage. And the person that they hit was a vagrant. And they hid the body. They buried it. They never talked about it. They never told anybody about it. And all of his life, he's had to pass through that area, knowing what was there, knowing what they did, never taking responsibility for it. And it ate away at him over the years. And so he never accomplished certain things. He never tried to do certain things. He never left the area because some part of him felt he didn't have a right to. But he was bound to this place. And as the sun is slowly, finally setting over the horizon, it's finally going down, the warm rays of yellow and deep red are starting to spill out across the valleys and towards him. We see him more clearly, and we realize that he is an old man now. And as he closed his eyes and as the sun finally sets, this is where he passes. So, that came to mind. So from Alex Simmons, we get a, uh, from, from me, you get a scene center. From Alex Simmons, we get the whole damn story. <laughs> All right, Alex. Uh, the two words were uh, uh, setting sun. How, what was your process? How did you go from setting sun to, you know, the regretful Rip Van Winkle? 
Regretful uh, <laughs> Rip Van Winkle. I like that. I like that. <laughs> nice alliteration there, pretty much. Um, again, the first thing was, like, like you, the first thing was the image, the, the two words created in my head, setting sun. And so you added a hilltop and all that stuff. Where does that all come from? Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the first thing I saw was the sun, sky, and setting. You know, I, I got a sense that it was getting ready to go down as opposed to coming up. Just that sense. And, and there was nothing below it yet. I was just seeing the sky and the sun. And then as setting really began to take more hold, I saw the horizon like a line, a little silhouetted line, you know, little dabs of light. And then I began, the valley began to form. Mm -hmm. And before the valley had completely formed, I suddenly realized where I or the character was. So I, I suddenly got a sense of someone laying on the grass, leaning against a tree. I didn't quite see the tree, but I knew they were leaning against a tree. And there was a quick flash of a gun in his hand, but then I rejected, my mind rejected that. Went back to forming the valley. And as I formed the valley, I, I started to come up the hill to the feet of this person, and something said old. And then as I said old, and sitting there watching this day coming to an end, it was memories of something, oh, youth. Friends, something goes wrong. Death never leaves dying here. Because, in effect, for what he had done or been a part of, he had sent it himself to this place. And so this is where it began. And so this is where he felt it or he needed to end. That was the pattern. That was the process. I want to ask you now um, how conscious or unconscious this was, but about, you know, a theme. When we went from setting sun, uh, we can draw our connection to the sun setting on this person's life, right? His mm -hmm. final moments. Um, and then there's a leap to regret, you know. Um, it, it, I get the impression, but there's nothing there. Excuse me. Bless you. It's not COVID. Um, <laughs> he said timidly. Yeah. Don't we all don't we all say that now right away? Yeah, it's, it's think it. um, we just like a... <clears throat> There's no evidence in the story that you told that he was ever captured or punished for his crime, but he did the punishing himself. Mm -hmm. You know, this this, you know, we create our own hell. Um, mm. uh, where did all that come from that he would die where his greatest regret is and feel tied and bound and responsible to that? You know, it's, it's funny because, again, this is something that I, I talk about with my students, too, that sometimes a character or a story tells you what it's about okay. without consciously making all of the decisions, it just suddenly says, this is what it is. And I felt that that's what happened here. I mean, certainly within the short amount of time that I had to think about this and it was forming, I didn't do a whole lot of really processing of my motivations. So the feeling came to me. And actually, I would say the story came to me as a series of feelings and impressions. So something about him or the situation said to me, yes, something happened here that was not love and, and, and warm and wonderful and everything. Something bad happened, and he felt responsible for it, and it's a shame and a weight that he's carried. And then the, the concept just sort of formulated the incident. Well, and I'm going to push one other way. And it's, sure, sure. And it's, it's, today it's accurate to both of us. Um, there is a saying that authors or writers or creators um, tell the same story again and again, you know. And I know that I tend to write about uh, wrong, writing wrongs, you know, uh, especially someone who doesn't have <coughs> agency speaking out against uh, uh, 
of health. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of the work that I know of you, especially um, with Blackjack, of course, um, and his sister, and even, you know, the other stories of Sherlock uh, Holmes and the Hands of Othello, um, there's always a responsibility uh, for others, mm. you know, to do more than look out for yourself. Mm. And uh, that was present in, in your personal conduct throughout our lives. Um, but here we see a character just from the two words, feeling responsible. There's no evidence that he was behind the wheel. There's no evidence that he was directly responsible, but feeling responsible for people or things or elements or events outside the self. Um, comments? Well, I, you know, I think who you are as a person comes through in your work. Even if you're writing about a character who isn't like you, um, you're right. A lot of my stories do deal with trying to do the right thing or trying to help people or trying to right a wrong or, or even doling out punishment when someone else has done it. Um, I am certainly not a saint or or perfect. And so I know I've screwed up in life. I've done some things I'm not wonderfully happy about or proud of. And I've tried to make, you know, make amends for it. But I think that many of us can say that, you know, there's something we did that, yeah, damn, I wish I hadn't done that. But I think there's, 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 at least I believe that there are lines you shouldn't cross. I just, I just, you know, I guess some people get what they are, but there are lines you should, I think, I think when something happens like that, when you're a part of a group action right. and you caused harm, you whether you did it directly or not, you were part of that. If you're part of a, a lynch mob, you're part of that mob. I so, agree. Yeah. So I think you know, how a person carries that responsibility, that blame, is the story. What they and do. I agree with you. And I think my the, the point I was trying to make with this, with pointing this out, is more applicable to anyone who might be paying, you know, watching or listening. Um, we all have our stories inside of us, mm. you know, and they might be themes that, you know, we've carried all our lives. We may not even be conscious of it. And I think mm. today we saw evidence of two writing from the gut or writing from just inspiration and yet themes that are true to each of us came out and Mm. i i would suggest you take that as a sign of confidence for yourselves yeah you know you have the stories within you you don't need to know that that they're there you don't even need to say oh my god i am powerful i just write and trust write and trust that something will come out and I think that, you know, the exercise of focusing on uh, an object that isn't necessarily um, a signpost for what you should be writing allows you to write more organically. And yeah, you got two opportunities to see that happen today. Yeah. I hope that helps you tell your damn story. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, yeah, I, I, it's a good, good winding up point here to absolutely... I think, again, um, as I, again, share with my students, give yourself permission to try these things, to explore these things. You know, don't, don't judge an idea in your head before you've given it a chance to breathe. You know, throw it down on the paper, throw it down on the computer, talk it out, you know, get it out somewhere so you can look at it from another yeah. position and give it a shot. Or, or jot it down in your notebook and, like, I got this stack here and go back to it later. But definitely don't judge. I think we should offer, as we always do, opportunities for people to write. So if um, you get inspired by empty glass, jot a few lines down and put it in the Mm -hmm. comments. Setting sun, jot a few lines down and and put it in the comments. But if you feel like, well, those two clowns, they used those up, I'll give you two others. Oh, go for it. Go for it. These were the ones that I first thought of to give to Alex. One is a cheat because it's actually three words. And I'll give you that one. <laughs> and then I'll give you the second one I thought of before setting sun, 
that I almost gave to Alex, but you can do whatever you want with it. Um, use it to write a few lines or whatever. So here's the first one. Smoking shotgun shells. Mm. So if you, if you can do the exercise with that, that would be fun. And then we'll talk about it. We'll read some if, if they come in. The second one, this was two words. Spilled pasta. Spilled pasta. Okay. So you have you have exercises. If you want to play, come play with us. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what? I'll I'll even sweeten the pot ever so slightly. Uh, yeah, it'll be easy if I do it this way. Everyone who sends in a little, little plot, you know, like like Chris and I did something very simple. It doesn't have to be the whole full story written out, manuscript not. Just a little plot description of where these inspirations took you. I will if you if you send it in to us and our email is in our content uh, in the comments section. Right. You send me the idea. I will send you a PDF of one of our books. Oh, cool. Our books are short stories. I will send you a PDF of that. Will not will not cost you a thing. We'll send it via digital digital airwaves there, and you will have a collection of short stories by Chris and I. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Chris, as always, powerful, wonderful, thrilling, exciting. I enjoyed it. This, this worked out pretty well. You yeah. showed us as uh, both creators and teachers today. Nicely yeah. done, sir. A couple of old old geezers, we still got it. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And, and again, happy anniversary to you and the goddess, Captain. Thank you very much. It has been my honor to walk in her wake where you low these 34, 35 years. <laughs> my best. Say hi to the boys. Take care, Chris. Peace. Take care, everybody.